from your heart. Lord, that the vision that Dion shares, Lord, would be a vision, Lord, that we embrace, God. We pray, Lord, your blessing and your anointing on him right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have you all here this morning. I'm glad you came out in the rain. Um, I do apologize for the the car park, but uh, there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> um, we should be handing out gumboots along the way here so that you don't get your feet all wet. This morning I'd like to speak on vision, but it's maybe a little bit different to what you are expecting, um, but I trust that you will hear what I have to say and that you will allow the Word of God just to touch your heart and um, that, yeah, I'm trusting it will stir up something inside of us. I'm not the only one that's going to be sharing this morning. We've got another two people that are going to just be sharing as well. But, um, yeah, I'm really just trusting that God is going to stir up your heart and that there's going to be an excitement that builds up inside of you. So for those of you who have done the DNA course, you will know that what I'm reading here comes from our book that we use for when we do the DNA course. And so vision according to George Barner, the vision is a clear mental portrait of a preferable future communicated by God to his chosen servant leaders based upon an accurate understanding of God, self, and circumstances. So in other words, it's a painting or a clear picture of a preferable future that God has planned for us. And can I say that God has a great future for this church? And before I get into what I want to share, I want to read this as well. The Father's vision. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that from the millions on earth, there would be those who would respond to his call, and this great company would be known as the church. And everything God has done from creation onwards, he has done with this vision in mind. But before the Father's vision could be realized, Jesus had to play his part. Jesus had to lay down his life to redeem the world from the power of sin. Jesus' vision was and still is to purchase men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And then there was our part that we had to play. Jesus has entrusted us to complete the Father's mission. Isn't that incredible that Jesus entrusted us to complete the Father's vision. And part of that was commanding us to go and make disciples of all nations. And in the framework of the vision of God the Father and in the vision of Jesus, there is our vision that falls into that. His plan for us and how to reach people for the Father. And so 
I want to use that as the introduction to what I want to share this morning. And so, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 4. Nehemiah chapter 1, reading from verse 1 to 4. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekalia, in the month of Kislev, which is the ninth month on the Jewish calendar, in the twentieth year while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who have survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah met one of his brothers and he he started chatting to him and asking him, how are things going in Jerusalem? And they said to him, things are not going that well. The city is still in ruins. Um, the walls are broken down. And for those of us who live in our country at the moment, you know that walls or fences are important because it's, it's like comfort to us. It brings us protection, and for these people, not having walls around the city meant that robbers could come in at any time and come and steal from them. They never had houses like we had. It was easy to get into, but also the enemies could come into the city quite easily because there were no walls to protect them, and so they, they would come in and kill and steal from them. And so we see Nehemiah's heart here. If you carry on reading through that chapter, you'll see that Nehemiah has a heart for the people. And so he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, won't you give me favor as I go and speak to the king? And um, from that story, we can see that he was a cupbearer to the king, which meant that before the king would have a drink of his wine or anything like that, Nehemiah would first have to have a sip of it to make sure that it didn't kill him or that it tasted good. Um, so there was a lot of trust put into Nehemiah by the king. But just before we get to, to what Nehemiah asks the Lord, if we go back a few verses, we see there that Nehemiah had a heart for the people, and what he heard crushed his heart. And I want to say to us as a church, God has a great plan and a great future for this church. And can I say in some ways that plan and the future that God has for us is laying in tatters because we are not doing what God has asked of us? And we might be thinking right now, but yeah, we can't do this because our walls are in tatters and the enemy is coming in and he's bringing death and destruction. And, but I want to say to you that like with Nehemiah, God is raising us up and there's been a weeping before the Lord, a crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, we want to do what you want for us. 
What is it that we need to restore? What is it that we need to rebuild so that your presence can come and dwell among us in a much greater way than what we've already been experiencing it? So we see as we carry on in the story, one day Nehemiah goes before Artaxerxes to, he was the king, and he goes and he takes the cup to him and Artaxerxes sees that there's something wrong with Nehemiah and the Bible says to us that um, Nehemiah had never been sad in his presence before. Can you imagine that? After all those years of serving the king, he'd never been sad in his presence before. And so the king sees that there's something wrong with Nehemiah and he says to him, Nehemiah, what's going on? And Nehemiah explains to him how the city of Jerusalem is laying in ruins and uh, how he would like permission from the king to be able to go and rebuild the walls of the city. And can I say that I believe that at that point when Nehemiah heard about the ruin of the city, that he knew that that was not God's plan for Jerusalem. He knew that God's plan for Jerusalem was to be a safe place, a safe haven for his people. And God was looking for a man who had a heart for his people. And he found it in Nehemiah. Someone who would say yes to the call of God and go and rebuild those walls. And you know, Nehemiah could have said at that time, you know what, I, I'm really sad about the state of Jerusalem. But you know what, I'm quite happy where I am right now serving the king. This is a cushy job. I get to drink quite a lot of wine. <laughs> I've got a nice place to stay. Everything is nice here. Why must I go to Jerusalem, to this place that's laying in ruin, and leave what I, um, the way that I'm living right now? But Nehemiah had a heart for the people. And I believe that he had a picture of a preferable future that God had for the city of Jerusalem. Where its walls and gates had been restored. Where people were coming back into the city. Where business was flourishing in the city. Where people would be protected and their shame would be removed. Because they would now have walls to protect them. But Nehemiah knew that to be able to carry out this task of rebuilding the walls and hanging the gates, that he would need supplies. And so if you go to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it said, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have a letter to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judea. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And he be, uh, sorry, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted me my request. Isn't that incredible? He has this cupbearer. Before the king, he, was, he had an important job. And yet he goes before the king and he says, won't you allow me to go and rebuild the walls of the city? But also I need supplies to do it. 
And we'll see the response from the king in a little while. But I mean, yeah, the king is allowing this man who he trusts with his life now to go and rebuild the walls of the city. Now he had to find somebody else to take the place of Nehemiah, who was his cupbearer. And he had to put his trust in their hands because he didn't know for how long Nehemiah was going to be gone. And so knowing what God wanted, it gave Nehemiah the courage to ask the king what he needed. If it is God's vision, he will provide for that vision. And in this case, we see the hand of favor on Nehemiah. And the king gives him the letters to go and do what he needs to do. But God gives him more than what he asked for. And in verse 13, we see, sorry, just going, let me just go back. We see that the king actually gives Nehemiah some of his army to go and protect him as he goes. Isn't that incredible? So he gives him even more than what he's asked for. And so in verse 13, we see Nehemiah's arrived in Jerusalem. And he goes out at night time because he didn't want the people to know what he was doing. And he goes out at night on horseback. And he goes around the whole city to inspect the walls. You see, he wasn't only inspecting the walls, but he was asking, and I believe he was asking God for a plan of how he was going to restore these walls, how they were going to be rebuilt. And so he didn't want the people to know what he was doing until he'd come up with a plan so that he could put this plan into action. But going back to verse 10, we see something else that's busy happening. And it says, When Sanballat the Hornat and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So we can see, even though Nehemiah is doing what God has asked him, all of a sudden there's opposition that arises to what he is doing. And you would think that everyone would be happy that he has this man, he's taken the lead, and he's come and he wants to restore the walls of the city, rebuild them, invest his time and effort into the city. But from Scripture we can see that there were these people that were not happy with what was going on. And there's a whole lot of times, if you go and read that story, where we see these guys coming and they, they try and distract Nehemiah from the work that he's doing. At one point in time, they, they actually threaten and say that we're going to come in and we're going to kill you. And we see how God gives Nehemiah the strategy to say, well, in that case, we'll work with the one hand and keep our swords ready in the other hand so that if you attack, we'll be ready for your attack. And so when God gives vision, not everyone is going to be happy with what God is wanting to do. They will fight the plan with everything they have to try and stop it. We can even see at one point, these guys come to Nehemiah and say, come on, Nehemiah, come to the plain of Ono. We want to talk with you. And we can see how God reveals their plan of how they want to kill him. 
And Nehemiah says, I've got a great work to do here. I'm not going to come off this wall. I'm going to complete what God is, the task that God has given me. And I'm not going to come down and to the valley of Ono where you can kill me. See, many times we are comfortable with where we are at. And when God comes and gives us new vision, it's uncomfortable because now we have to do something. And what God asks us to do is not always pleasant. It may take us away from our comfort zones. It may take us away, like in Nehemiah's case, from being the cupbearer in his cushy job of serving the king. And over the ages, this has been something that's happened many times through church history, where we see God come and reveal more of himself, give people a greater vision of himself, and those that were comfortable in the previous move of God resist the new move of God because it was comfortable the way things were. And now God is asking us to do something, and it means we have to get off our rusty dusties and we have to go and do something. But can I say, if God has given the plan, He will give us the wisdom and His protection for those plans to be carried out. And He will show us when the enemy is trying to put a spanner in the works so that we can take a stand against the enemy and pray against the attack of the enemy. The other thing is when God gives vision, we have to be wise as to how we carry that out. And we can see through Scripture, if we go back to the time when Noah was building the ark or to when God asked um, Moses to build the, um, the tabernacle, we see that God not only gave them the ability to do the work, God supplied what was needed, and God supplied those who were skilled in being able to do the work. So when God asks us to do something, we can do it. It's not like this thing is too big for us. We can do it. God will provide what is needed for the job. He will provide the people that are needed to be able to carry out the work, and we will be successful in what we do. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says this, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. You see, Nehemiah traveled around that city, and he came up with a plan. And then when he had a plan, he goes before the people, and he says to him, this is what God has said. This is how God has already blessed what we are going to do. And then we see the response from the people. They replied, 
Let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Isn't that incredible? How God gives us everything that we need to be able to carry out the plan that he has. See, God gave Nehemiah the strategy of how to rebuild the wall. And can I say that everybody was involved in it? Even the priests had their part to play. And we can see how each family, uh, they started rebuilding the wall in front of where they stayed. And I'm sure that there were goldsmiths there. There were accountants there. There were tax collectors. There were all kinds of different kinds of people staying in that city at that time. But each one of them took up the challenge and they started to do what God had asked, well, what Nehemiah had asked them to do. And they started to build the wall in front of their house. And I'm sure there must have been many laughs as they started. The guys who knew what they were doing and those that didn't know were saying, come on, guys, look at what your wall looks like. You need to add a little bit more mortar here. That brick needs to be placed in a better position than that. And I'm sure they must have been laughing at each other as these guys who weren't skilled at doing what they were at building um, were making a bit of a mess. And those that were skilled came around them and said, hey, let me help you a little bit. But each person was doing their part. You see, when God is in it, he will make a way. Even when it humanly seems impossible, with God all things are possible. And um, I remember listening to a friend of mine, he's been here a number of times to Bisa, uh, when they were putting down the foundations for their new building that they're building. And the guys that were digging the foundations came to them and said, listen, we've got a problem. There is a massive rock in the way. And they said, we can't get rid of this thing. We're going to have to get a demolition team to come in and blow this rock up. And so what they did that night is they got together and they started praying. The next morning when the guys came, that rock was gone. You see, it was God's plan, God's vision. God made the way out. And so last week, when I preached, I mentioned that God is a God of generations and that we need to build not only for this generation but for the generations to come. And at our last Connect time um, at Cornerstone, I was speaking to a guy and he said they had someone in, I can't remember who the guy was, coming to the life of the church. And this guy was preaching that we need to be building for five generations. And that blew my mind because I'm thinking of one generation, maybe two generations ahead. But he said be building for up to five generations. So this brings me to the reason why I'm speaking about vision. And I believe that God has given us a vision in this church to build a better facility for our children. I'd like to encourage you, if you've never been around here to the Sunday school, go and look there. Yes, they've got a roof over their heads and four walls, but it's not a very nice facility. It's long and it's narrow. 
And if our children are the future, and if we are building for the next generation, then we need to be building something better for our children. If we want to see growth, then children are important. Because, can I tell you, when parents come and you don't have a good facility for the children, they're not going to come back again. Because ch their children are important to them. And so we need to invest in our children for the sake of the gospel. And if we have to invest in our children, can I say to you that our children will be excited to come here and they will be persuading their parents to come with. And they will be saying to their parents, I don't want to miss out what's going on in Sunday school. We need to go to church. And I'm sure if I do ask in this place just for a raise of hands, how many of us came to know the Lord at an early age through Sunday school? I'm sure most of us would put up our hands here. And so Sunday school is important. And I'm not saying that what we're doing here in this building is not important. But we need to jack up our facility for the Sunday school. And so... It is right and it's important not just to build into the spiritual lives of the children but also give them a nice facility where they can enjoy coming to the Sunday morning. And uh, so that's what we want to look at. Um, and just before I hand over to Lauren, I just want to say thank you just for everybody who participated yesterday in just helping us get up these other lights and connecting everything up, thank you so much. It's, it really it, it changes the atmosphere in the building. And uh, it, I know it was a long day, but it was worth it. Thank you. Lauren. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Um, so our... Sunday school is called Ignite, and that's actually our purpose, is to ignite the hearts of children, to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve him with all their, their might. And first of all, I want to say that the name of our God is El Shaddai, that's one of his names, and that the meaning is that he is almighty God, and he's all-sufficient, he's the all-sufficient one. And we, we can just praise him for that because this vision seems impossible on paper, <laughs> but for him, nothing is impossible. And Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, Our Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. Can we say amen to that? Yes, thank you. <laughs> So I've put down on paper what it is that we're dreaming for, for Ignite, because we don't only want to meet, reach the, the, our community as it is now, and as Dion has said, we want, to, we want to expand and we want to cast vision into the future, into generations to come. And also we want to reach our community and even beyond with a facility with a, uh, having a decent facility will enable us to, to go so much further. 
And this is one, I'm just going to read a list of what we, we're dreaming for. To have an open plan place to minister to children, almost like a barn style. Have a place which will accommodate worship, dancing, indoor games and fun. A stage for plays and worship and puppet ministry. Three or more classes on the side which are large enough to accommodate growing, grow, uh, uh, growth in the, in the Sunday school. Large storage for costumes and props. Storage for stationery. Puppet show stage. Um, a stage on a stage. <laughs> a male and female cloak, uh, cloakroom facilities. An open plan kitchen uh, with a counter. A screen, projector, sound system and play gym and a, a lovely exterior facility as well with a proper play gym um, for little ones. Because the current play gym is a little bit overpopulated and can be quite dangerous sometimes <laughs> when there's too many children. Um, so so that, is, that is our uh, just a picture of what we'd like to dream for. And it's not set in stone, it can be added to. And um, I'm going to hand over to Tony because he's actually going to just take us through what we need to do to be able to get to this point. And Tony, here we go. Give it up for Tony. Thank you, Lauren. So before I reach that plan, I want to do something else. Who knows how long City Base Church, City Base Church has been going for in this place? January's eight years. January is eight years. In eight years, what have we accomplished? A lot. So I'll give you a quick rundown of what we accomplished in eight years. We painted this whole place out. There was a wall here. We knocked this wall down. It fell on one or two people when we knocked it down. There was a ceiling inside here that we had to take down. We took out the baptismal font and the stage. This church was this way. We renovated all that whole section. We've done a mother's room. We plastered all those walls at the back, um, front and back, so that they, we could put stuff on them and to make it look neater. Stairs, railing. Um, we've redone the foyer. We've done all the lights in this church over. We've put a new sound system in this church. We've t taken the sound desk from there and put it at the back. We put this whole new stage up. And um, as you can see, what an awesome place this looks like right now. Hey? That's in eight years. Right, so we've done that. We've, we've, we've taken some of those flats, a block of flats, and we've made our office that block of flats. Um, what else have we done? We've sent people out. Linton and Sarah, Aaron, Misha, Dion and Lelisa, Nathan and Heidi. They've gone and they are serving and they're doing so well. Some of them are leading churches. Some of them are serving in other churches. Some of them are preparing to go into other nations. Part of our heritage is this, through COVID, we've donated over 5,000 loaves of bread. That's a number, hey? Gone in cars, picked up bread, gone and given out to the lost and given out to people who needed it. This church has no debt. 
all the, bo- all the loans, everything is paid for. So we are debt-free today. Hey? That's God. <laughs> so this is what we've done in that period of time. And there's a whole lot more that I can't mention because there's just so much. So we need to have faith for our new projects and our new things that are coming. And you know what? It's only by God that we can do this. Dion says five generations. So what is our vision for five generations? We need you help we need you to help us with that vision of five generations because you know what, hey? Sometimes it's too small for us and sometimes in our minds we can't handle that. But if we put our heads together, we can handle that and we can do that thing. And that's what we need to do. You know, when we talk about five generations, so the kids of this today will be 50 years old. I will be buried in a grave. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm 57 today, so maybe maybe not. <laughs> 107, yeah. With a crick and a this and a that. Okay, so, so this is what... This is what we need to look for for our generation. This church, I want to see this church as the go-to place in Sprint where people come here and they are fed and they, are, they can come here and this is a facility that for the children, for the grown-ups and everything where we can come and have meetings and just grow with each other and have fun. Just something about the projects that we've done in this place. We've had so much fun doing these projects even though buildings have fallen on top of people. I mean... Yeah, we've had a whole lot of fun in this place. So when we do work projects, we don't only work, we, we play too, and we play hard. Um, so the future thing is we need to set a timeline up for this um, classroom project, the classrooms. We are looking at those flats on the side there. We want to have no tenants on this property, okay, because we want this to be a, felis- a facility for the church not necessarily for people to live in. So we need to consult with our tenants in moving. We need to rezone that section of the property. Um, We have to review plans. We've already had plans drawn up, but we're going to review those plans, and we're going to be presenting them to the church, and we're going to ask for input. Um, But we don't want too many cooks because they spoil the the food, eh? so, in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to renovate some of the cottage, cottages um, and move some of the tenants to other places so that we can use part of that facility for the, city, um, for the Sunday school. That's the first part of the plan on the building side. But we still have to um, have the plans approved. We need to present plans to us as a congregation. We need to have engineers having a look at that plan and make sure that they are right. Um, we need to have the budgeting. Um, the cost, money, 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 money. Um, we need to look at planning those phases and we also need to purchase materials. And then the building project will start. That's phase one. However, this property over here, it has to be out. In order for us to do what we need to do here, we need that. So what have we been doing with that? We have already put a whole lot of documentation together. We're waiting for one document from somebody else in Springs, and we've been battling to get this document. We will probably get it this week. And then we're going to go and lodge that, those documents to the council, and the first step is to rent that property. 
we're going to try and push that thing through so that we can rent that property. In order for us to purchase that property, they say it's better to rent it and then you put an offer to purchase in. So I want us to be praying hard, really, really hard over this December to get that property so that we can start doing what we need to do. And then I also want us all just to stand together in this thing and just, you know what, hey, we know the nonsense that's going on in our country. We know what's happening. But we also need to have a preferred future. And we need to look past that stuff and see what God is doing. Because in the midst of what the turmoil is, God is still doing stuff. And we need children in our church. We need children to bring this church through um, so that we can do what we need to do. So part of that thing is we want to, we want to have excellence. We want... I mean, if you look at this, this is awesome, eh? It's excellence. And we want to be a church of excellence. And we want people to come in here and say, hey, man, go to that church. Because they know what they're doing. They're serving God well. And we want this to be a go-to place. Amen. Thanks, folks. Me again. So there is something else. I just need to um, get my specs. Sorry. <laughs> um, that I'd like to share with you. And this is uh, quite an exciting project. It's, um, it's, it's still focusing on children. Um, but I'd like to call it the base foundation. And this is something that we've been considering for the children that are entering a new school year. And um, what it entails is that there are a number of children in our midst who need our support for uniforms and school stationery in the forthcoming year. And I'm hoping that 2023 will be the, the starting block for, you know, other for years going forward where we can actually support children in this way. So... A box of stationery, I'm sure a lot, there's a lot of parents in the room, and I'm sure you know that a box of stationery um, is quite expensive. It's quite an expensive outlay at the beginning of each year, especially if you have more than one child. And um, at, at the moment, these boxes go for approximately 800 rand a box. That's an average price. And today I'm appealing to you, um, if the Lord lays on your heart, to actually contribute towards stationery that children need will be needing for uh, the year 2023. And I just pray that the Lord would, would lay it on your hearts to, to give funding for these supplies. And the way we can do it um, is you can use one of our, our um, city-based envelopes, tithe envelopes, and just write on their school and actually put contributions in there, which we'll label and use specifically to purchase stationery for children um, for next year. Um, and at the moment, I know of at least five children, so I'm just putting it out there. The other way of doing it is if, as a family, you, uh, you can all contribute towards uh, the base foundation and also put your contributions into an envelope or even do an EFT, just label it school, um, and we'll be able to pick that up on our bank statements. 
The other way is if in your life group, if you'd like to actually collect towards the base foundation and you know contribute in that way, uh, then it will be able to actually purchase the, the requirements for each child and then present it to a child at the beginning of next year with a letter from city-based church to which will encourage them for the year ahead. And where they'll feel that they, they, they're seen and that the year ahead is important and that we want to invest in their lives so that they you know, concentrate on the year at hand and do well. Um, the base Foundation would also look at you know, providing school uniforms where possible because there's a lot of children that they just don't have the means, their parents don't have the means to actually purchase school uniform. So please, I appeal to you, please pray about it. Um, as the Lord lays on your heart, please feel free to contribute and you know, just be a part of, of, of uh, investing in these precious children's lives. So thank you very much. So you can see there is a great future ahead. Um, and you might think, sure, there's a lot that's got to be done. But we serve a great God. And like I said, he is more than able. And so if he's given us the vision, he will give us the provision. And he will show us how to do it. So I want to encourage you, pray with us. Believe with us. And don't be like Sanblat and Tobiah who go against us. But let's stand together and let's trust God to, to really just see our children being blessed. Amen. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this incredible day that you've given us. Thank you for this wonderful rain that's promoting so much life and growth. And Father, we pray too that in your kingdom we will see just an incredible growth taking place. That even in this church, Father, we will see growth taking place. New people being added on a daily basis. Father, I pray that you bless these wonderful people. I pray that they will have a victorious week. Where they will, will just be constantly talking about the goodness of God, of what you have done in their lives. And Father, we thank you for this, all in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I know it's raining outside, but yeah, enjoy some fellowship. <laughs> Use the rest of the building and have fellowship. Don't just rush off. <laughs>